0: 5 uh, 11 12 and 13 let's all stand for the reading of God's word 1 John chapter 5 verses 11 through 13 the bible says and this is the record that god hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. May God bless His word. Please bow with me in prayer. Father, again, we're just so very grateful for the opportunity to gather together today in a free country. We do pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters all across the world and some of those countries that are most intense. And Father, we, uh, we are humbled and very, very grateful for those many of our brothers and sisters on a weekly basis are loving you to, unto death. They will not renounce their faith. Uh, they are dying uh, because of the name of Jesus Christ. And it costs them something just to identify with the one that we have taken for granted. The one that if we have time, will give a little bit of our time. But Father, these folks, it is live or die to identify with Jesus Christ. And we pray for them. Pray for those many that are imprisoned because of their faith. And especially in those countries where family ties have been severed simply because someone became a Christian. And Father, we're so thankful, uh, because we know in the long run it would be better for these people to identify with Christ, be born again, and lose their physical lives, and gain eternity, than to live a, a wonderful or a, a peace-filled life without conflict in their family, and then die without Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for, we pray for the persecuted church, Uh, Because as we celebrate our independence in America, we know many do not have it. And we ask your blessing and provision and protection on them. Uh, Again, Father, we want to lift up Ethan to you and we thank you for this young man. And thank you for sparing his life. We just pray Father that you'd help him day by day as he has these doctor's appointments. We especially pray, Father, for these concerns uh, with the knee and the, the one side of his arm. We just pray, Father, you would that slowly and surely that that he would have sense come back and and, uh, the ability to use it. Pray that you'd just help his mind to get sharper and clearer and give him patience. And, uh, Lord, I know that it's got to be grueling. I pray you give Jen and uh, Bill wisdom and patience, just help him in the long road. And we're so grateful, Father, that your grace is available to them and that it is sustaining them. Thank you, Lord, for Serena that her surgery went well. We want to lift up Titus to you and again ask you to protect this young man um, and just just minister to him the trauma that he's been through. We pray that this would draw him closer to you and realize that that what Jesus said, fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Lord, help us all to develop a wholesome fear of you uh, and not a fear of man. We just lift Titus to you. And again, we pray for Josh, that you bless him and prosper his ministry and his work over these months. Bless all the people that are away, Father. Uh, just give them safety as they travel. Um, and we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for, for Ed. We thank you for his recovery and some of the close calls he's had with the with the, um, going to the hospital and getting the attention with his heart. And we just pray for his complete recovery. Thank you that he's with us tonight. Thank you for everyone that's here tonight we ask your blessing on the Scriptures, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Gene. We're going verse by verse through this book. It's taken us a while. This is message number 49, if I'm keeping proper track. Message 49, as we go through 1 John. We're in the last chapter now, 1 John chapter 5. And we come to verses 11 through 13. The title of our message tonight is based on a statement in the first verse, verse 11. The title of the message is God's record. God's record. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. Let's bow in prayer, and then we'll jump right into Scriptures. Father, thank you again. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for the privilege of serving you, and thank you that I get to preach your Word. And Father, I pray that you'd use the Scriptures we we I claim, Father, that in, in your word, the Bible, Isaiah says, Your word shall not return unto you a void, it shall accomplish what you sent it to do. And uh, Father, I pray that you would send forth your word today. As I um, led by the Spirit of God, properly interpreting the Scriptures, I pray, Father, that you would use truth to grip minds and give attention to the Word. Father, save souls tonight. We think of those online that are either listening now or in the future. We pray that the the Word of God, Your Word, would penetrate their hearts and open their eyes. The truths tonight, Father, that we're going to go over are so simple. And we're so grateful for that. We pray that the Spirit, we know that the Spirit, if Your Spirit is not involved in working through the Word, uh, that no matter how simple I make it, no matter how simple the truths are, uh, they will not be received as the God of this world has blinded their minds. And Lord, we pray that Spirit of God would open eyes tonight. And we pray for your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. God's record, as a young man, records were a big deal to me. Um, and And any of you that were from my generation, if you... Have a similar background to me. Vinyl albums. If you said re- a record, that's what I thought. And uh, I bought many of them. I wasted money. Uh, I had a. I was someone that was not wise financially. Uh, I had a job, had a good job, and I, every time I'd get a paycheck, I would usually go out to the mall with my friend, and I'd buy a record for myself, and I'd buy a record for him, and um, had lots of records. And I remember spending hours and hours. Just you know, as I'm playing the record, looking at the artwork on the album, and that was a record to me. Um, they don't even use the word record now, do they? I guess it's just music cuts. But I want you to look at, because tonight we're going to talk about God's record. And and it's I used to get very excited about a gr- if I was a music group was coming out with a new record. That was you know that would consume my attention. and, and folks, this record is the most important. There will never be a a more important record that comes out than God's record. And so we want to look at what is God's record? And what exactly? So let me give you the outline because we're talking about God's record and we're going to see three things from this text. First, we're going to see its source. This is the record that God has given. That's That should grab our attentions right there. In other words, God is going on record as testifying that He's he's laying out truth. He's giving us something. He's laying out a witness, a testimony. Those are synonymous terms we'll talk about in a minute with the word record. This is God's testimony. It's God's witness. He's given us something. And we cannot take it lightly. And we can't if you and i if we don't understand what he's saying you and i are going to miss how important it is and we're going to be led down the wrong road if you ignore god's record so we see the source god its substance this is the record that god hath given to us eternal life here's so god is say, it's like he's saying this I'm going on record. I am giving you eternal life. I'm giving it to you. Heaven. I am giving you heaven. And then thirdly, we see, uh, well, and then then in the next verse, he explains what it is. This life is in his son. By the way, every time, and I love using this text to witness to people, and I love, here's usually what I'll say. Notice it says, this life is in His Son. It doesn't say in the Baptist church, or the Methodist church, or the Presbyterian church, or the Catholic church, because no church died on the cross for our sins. And that's not the record that God has given. God has not given us eternal life through a church. He's given it through the person of Jesus Christ. This life is in His Son. He that hath the Son... Hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There's only two kinds of people in the world, according to God. Now please keep in mind, I'm not saying that everyone believes this. In fact, there's a lot of people, more and more, that don't believe it. And my heart breaks for them. Because they're going to stand before God on judgment day. We already know this based on scriptures. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and elsewhere, exactly what's going to be happening. There's going to be people that are going to be just dumbfounded. That they are going to, because they're going to die, they close their eyes and they think, okay, this is it. I'm going into oblivion. Ready? And then when they die, they open their eyes and they're going to stand before God. And and they've already probably made the wrong choice if they didn't think there was anything after death. And there's going to be God. And the bottom line is, then it's going to matter. So many people snub God, ignore God, reject God, don't believe God but on that day it will matter and it'll be too late for them the ones that didn't think there was going to be that there is a god the ones that didn't think they were going to close their eyes in death and stand before god then his record will be so important but if it was ignored it will be so tragic because then and only then for many people they will realize Either you have the Son and you have eternal life, or you don't have the Son and you don't have eternal life. And then, then the third thing is: so it's its source, verse eleven; its substance, verses twelve; uh, and then its secure. It, it, verse, it sources or substance is the end of verse eleven and verse twelve, and then its security. And this is an amazing verse. That I hope you will allow to sink into your minds and your hearts, and I, I I want you, especially those of you that are online, if you were not brought up under a Bible-believing church, but you are religious, I want you to I want to challenge you as we look at verse thirteen to let this verse speak for itself, and if you can contrast it with what you are being taught. Because there's so many people in religion, so many religions, so many teachers. And we have to be tough on our Bible teachers. Anyone that claims to be a religious leader, you need to be tough on them. And if what they say, say doesn't line up with God's record, because God says you and I can know that we have eternal life. I made this mention this morning. I made this statement and I got into a conversation with someone about it. Um, I can't know whether you're saved. You can't know whether I'm saved. But that does not mean that you can't know whether you're saved. Got that? And that's what verse 13 is talking about. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And by the way, that's the most important thing. If you know that you're saved based on the Bible and God's record, then the whole world can think you're not saved. And and really, that's not what matters. Unless you're giving them reason to doubt your salvation, you know there's no fruit because you won't, they will know them by their fruit. So let's jump right in, uh, verse first John chapter five verse eleven. The source of God's record. This is the record that God hath given to us. Now look at the word record, because in the Epistle of First John, there is a word that is used many many times. Seven times it's translated by the word witness. It's also translated as the word testify in First John chapter five and verse nine. In this text, the same word is translated record in verse First John one two. That one word in the Greek is translated show unto you in First John chapter two and First John chapter two fifteen and First John two twenty four that same Greek word is translated that which ye have heard. And then 1 John 4, 5, that same Greek word is translated speak they of. So witness, testify, record, show unto you. And it's all one Greek word that actually has become in and of itself an English word that has its own meaning now, that's rooted in the definition of these words. Record, testify, testify. Witness and it is the Greek word, now an English word, martyr. Isn't that interesting. I just mentioned the persecuted church all across the world. and I, I am so conscious of, of and, and read a lot of stories. If you don't get any newsletters, uh, it's so good to keep our pulse and find out about our brothers and sisters in Christ that are paying the ultimate price. Because they live somewhere where it costs something to name the name of Jesus Christ. And and they're dying regularly. But the word martyr, which today specifically means, you know, usually somebody who has given their life for the faith. Stephen, in the book of Acts, was the first Christian martyr. And usually, in fact, when you look up the definition of martyr, it even says in most of the dictionaries, usually we're talking about those who die for the Christian faith, but the word itself, l- literally the Greek word that is translated and, and became an, a word, simply means one who bears testimony to faith. Uh, Martyrias—that's the Greek word where we get martyr. That's the word that's used so much by John, and again, it's translated all these different times—seven times as witness, testify—all these other times. And the basic meaning of the word, martu- the, the Greek word, is. One who bears testimony to faith, and this word that uh, the word "record" can be a noun and a verb. Think of it in the English language. If you you can record something, I'm gonna I'm gonna write down, I'm gonna record this and write down what you're saying. That you know, I'm recording it as the verb. Now I have a record of it. That's the noun. It would be similar to, and it is very similar to the word "document." That we use today, and by the way, all these words I'm mentioning now come from the Latin. Document. You can say, "I have a document right here," or I could say, "I'm going to document what's happening right now," and then I have it documented. So these words can be used as both verbs and nouns, and same with the word record. And so we, you need uh, uh, make sure you understand. God has spoken. And, and he's saying so clearly, this is the record that God has given to us. And no matter what anyone else ever tells you, uh, no matter what a religious leader would say, the important thing is, God is proclaiming right now, this is my record. And it is eternal life. Heaven, he's giving it to us. He's articulating it. After John Wesley had been preaching for some time. So get this, he's mature enough that he's responded and he's now preaching the word. And somebody came up to him early on in his public ministry and said, Mr. Wesley, um, are you sure that you are saved? And, and, And John Wesley replied, he said, well... Jesus Christ died for the whole world. Yes, Uh, I believe that, so yes. And then he said, um, the man asked him again, well, are you really sure that you're saved? And then he replied, and he went over some of the facts that he had already matriculated in his mind. Okay, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. I know that he died for my sins. Yes, and then one more time, he asked, this man asked, but are you really sure you're saved? And that third time, it went through him like an arrow in his heart. And all of a sudden, he, and, in fact, this uh, Moody, Dale Moody, Dwight Moody would share this story a lot because Dale Moody was really passionate about assurance of people's salvation. And so he would share this story that that third time when John Wesley was challenged about are you really sure you're saved... He went away, and uh, he had no rest. He just he struggled with that until that question was settled, and he finally settled it. And then Moody, as he would share that, he said, "Many men and women go on month after month and year after year without power because they do not know they're standing in Christ. They're not sure of their own footing for eternity, and uh, so the challenge for us." Uh, one one writer that Moody quotes, he says, uh, one said that when he was settled and steadfast about his own salvation, he was bold as a lion. But if that hope became eclipsed with, and he was fearful and afraid, he was disqualified for service. And Moody would challenge people. He said, many are disqualified for service because they're continually doubting their salvation. Now, if you think about it, God says, I'm giving you a record. I'm going on record right now. I'm telling you, I'm giving you eternal life. And I'm going to tell you where that eternal life is. Not in a church. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you how simple it is. It's as simple as if you have Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have eternal life. And then he says, these things, what I just said, have I written it to you that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know that we have eternal life. And as Moody would so passionately and John Wesley learned, if you're not settled on that matter, don't rest. Deal with that. Go to the Lord. You know, In a season of prayer, get before God because you want to make sure that you are saved if you are going to be of any service to anyone else. If you're going to go up and tell someone, I know where I'm going, and I know how you can know for sure. If you and I wrestle with that, we're not going to be in a position to do that. Now, again, many believers do wrestle with that at time, from time to time. And it's it's good that you wrestle with it instead of ignore it. Wrestle with it. Settle it. You remember, and again, I won't say it again because I've used this illustration endless times. When uh, I think it was G, was a G. Campbell Morgan, some old preacher, but not as old as Moody. When he was a young man, he went to Moody's uh, meetings and he, and he responded to the altar call and Moody dealt with him. Uh, and he said, you know, Moody said, are you sure you're saved? I said, well, I, I think I am, Mr. Moody, but sometimes I doubt it. And then he had him read John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believe it. In fact, listen to this. Pay attention to this. Because this is God's record. John 5.24 Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life at that moment and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. That happened to me in the summer of my 17th year on this earth on a saturday i'm not going to tell you what year it was although i tell you enough how old i am but on that saturday at a health spa sitting on a weight bench in westchester i believed on the lord jesus christ and i settled it too i had already i had doubted for a little while you know when god was dealing with me but i sat down and i dealt with it and i settled it and then and then i was in a position where God could call me to preach so that I could help lead others to Jesus Christ. So first the source, it's God's record. Then we see the substance. What is the record? That God hath given to us life. And I want you to understand that in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, this, this concept of life is contrasted with the concept of death. But it's not just physical life, we're born, physical death, we die. But most importantly, it is spiritual life, being saved, eternal life, and then eternal death, eternal damnation in hell. Listen to some of these verses. uh, Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, that's hell, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, that's judgment, but have everlasting life. That's heaven. What a blessing. I quoted to you John 5.24, John, our, our verse tonight in verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life, He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And that is the only alternative. If you do not have life, you perish. You have death. 1 John 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. And then it goes on and we preached that one already. But see, we know that. Do you know that you have passed from death unto life? Because according to what God says, He wants you to know. Heaven, what a blessing. This is the record that God hath given to us. Life, eternal life. Heaven is a, a wonderful place, the song says. We know very little about heaven when you think about it. One theologian described heaven as, quote-unquote, an unknown region with a well-known inhabitant. I want you to think about that. Because we don't know a whole lot about heaven. But there is a well-known inhabitant that makes heaven, heaven. And that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Richard Baxter, an old Puritan uh, pastor, many years ago, he made this statement, my knowledge of that life is small. Talking about heaven. The eye of faith is dim. But it's enough that Christ knows all, and I shall be with him. And I want you to listen to this quote from uh, one uh, J.I. Packer in a book called Your Father Loves You. And he says, Christians... and I like what he says. I'm going to read two parag- two spots. He says, Christians inherit the destiny which fairy tales envisioned in fancy. Christians... Inherit the destiny which fairy tales envis- envisaged in fancy. We, yes, you and I, the silly saved sinners, live and live happily, and by God's endless mercy, will live happily ever after. It's true, isn't it? If you're saved, that's exactly what we have. And regarding this, in fact, he, he in another quote. You ever hear the phrase pie, pie in the sky? And I know what it means, but I thought about it more because that's often what Christians are accused of. A pie in the sky theology. In other words, sky is a reference to heaven. And in other words, the pie is like everything that we want, all the good things. And one theologian said this, again in the book Your Father Loves You. He said, we cannot visualize heaven's life and the wise man will not uh, try to do so. We cannot visualize heaven's life, and the wise man will not try to do so. Instead, he will dwell in the doctrine of heaven, where the redeemed will find all their heart's desire, joy with their Lord, joy with his people, and joy in the ending of all frustration and distress, and in the supply of all our wants." That's heaven, folks. Did you get that? Let me read that again. He says, We cannot visualize heaven's life, and the wise man will not try to do so. Instead, we will dwell on the doctrine of heaven. Where? In other words, here's what we do know about heaven. Where? The redeemed will find all their heart's desire. Joy with their Lord. Joy with His people. And joy... In the ending of all frustration and distress, amen to that. And in the supply of all our wants. And then he says this, which I've read this time back and and reacted to it initially. And um, you may too when you when you hear this, because it sounds like. Wait a minute, what's he saying? And then he has a, a, he clarifies. And the more you think on it, the more this is a very good point. Listen to what he said. He said, what was said to the child, if you want sweets and hamsters in heaven, they'll be there. I remember reading that. What are you talking about? Sweets and hamsters. And then that brings up the whole issue. Are our pets going to be in heaven? You know, sweets and hamsters. And here's what he says. If you want sweets and hamsters in heaven, they'll be there. That, when you say that to a child, was not an evasion, but a witness to the truth that in heaven... No felt needs or longings go unsatisfied. Now, here's this point: it is true that in heaven, none of our genuine needs are ever going to go unsatisfied. And so he says, "What our uh, he goes, um, what our wants will actually be, however, we hardly know." Now let's go back to that. I've never told a kid, "Hey, if you want sweets and hamsters in heaven, they're going to be there." In fact, I've had conversations about people, and I've learned to steer away from this. As a pastor, you want to get in bed with people, tell them their beloved pet isn't going to be in heaven. You know, try to say that. Go ahead, I dare you to try it. I've had that conversation, but here's the point that he's saying. You know, again, you tell a kid, "Oh, there'll be sweets and there'll be hamsters in heaven," but his point is this. What our wants will actually be, however, we hardly know. Except the first and foremost, we shall want to be always with the Lord. He's quoting from 1 Thessalonians 4.17 where Paul is writing to encourage and comfort the believers in Thessalonica because they lost loved ones that were Christians. And he was trying to encourage them. And he encouraged them with this, this sole important point that... And he says, now concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Then he talked about the rapture. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, uh, he's going to come again. Uh, He talks about being caught up together with them in the clouds and meeting the Lord in the air. And then he says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says, comfort one another with those words. If you've lost a loved one, someone very dear to you is born, Asleep in Jesus, that is an incredible comfort. But the point, he says, what our wants will actually be, however, we hardly know, except first and foremost, we will want to be always with the Lord. Now, I, I thought of that for a little while. And, and I'm going to bring up my uh, pet dog. I mentioned him this morning in my important prayer that I prayed as a child. Uh, about Oliver. We had a dog named Oliver when I was a little kid after the guy in the play. Remember the play, Oliver? And, uh, and there was nothing special about Oliver. In fact, I think he might have had some issues because he'd just run around in circles all day long. Um, but I loved Oliver. Now, let's let's talk about it. If um, Let's say, for example, that you say, well, I want Fifi... I want. I want to know that Fifi's going to be in heaven. Like me saying, "Oh, I want to know. I I want to know that Oliver's going to be in heaven." And if you try to tell me that Oliver's not going to be in heaven, I don't want to. I don't want to go to heaven. You know. And if you said something like that, if you're, you know, putting your, you know, okay, if heaven is good, then Oliver and Fifi, you fill your pet's name in there. It's going to be there. And here's what I want you to, because it goes back to this point. His very important points. That we hardly know what our wants will actually be. So let's say your whole life, you're thinking, oh, I really hope that our pets are going to be in heaven. And I really hope that Oliver, you know, that God, God's going to bring Oliver there. And then we get to heaven. Okay? Now remember, we we do not, we hardly know what heaven's going to be like. We do know that it's going to be blessed. We're not going to be disappointed at all. So let's say we get into heaven, right? We're there now. We see Jesus. We know he's going to be the biggest deal. We know we're, we're going to have fellowship with him. We're going to see him as he is. Now, here we are now. We're in heaven. And we're just loving our fellowship with him. And then all of a sudden, someone says, Hey, you want your pet from the, you know, when you were on the earth? And because you did not know on that side of glory that it was not going to be a big deal to you because heaven to you was going to be, Jesus Christ is going to be there. Your loved ones, people created in the image of God and saved by the blood are going to be there. And at that point, can you imagine if you're there now in heaven and someone, and someone from heaven, administration comes up and says, okay, uh, go to door three because uh, Fifi is there. And you're cool. Well, you know, I, I don't want Fifi. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy enough. I didn't realize how wonderful it was going to be. And I don't need that anymore. Oh no. You have to take care of Fifi. Because you said. You know, you imagine that, just imagine that. And now all of a sudden something you don't want now because it's totally different than you imagine, is going to be forced on you. That's that's not heaven, is it? So let's leave it up to God. What he he, he is the God that gives us all things freely to enjoy. He's the loving Heavenly Father that if we ask for bread, He's not going to give us a scorpion. If we ask for an egg, He's not going to give us a rock. He's a God that is going to bless us and our heaven is going to be all blessing because we're going to get to be with that great, good God. And I'm telling you, there's not going to be any disappointments. So don't put caveats on what you expect in heaven if it's not laid out in Scripture. And you know what? Just focus on the fact that the most blessed thing is we are going to see Jesus Christ. Last point, the security. We saw its source, the record, God. We saw its substance, heaven, life. And now we see its security. Verse 13. Now remember verse 12. He that has the Son has life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God Now, folks, get get a hold of this. This is not me speaking. This is God's word. Think about what he's saying. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. John, why are you writing to us? John, why are you telling us these things? What's the purpose? These things write I unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know that? That you're going to heaven, do you know? And my response for many years, and many people's responses, nobody can know for sure. Wait a minute. What is God's record? And what did He just say? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know. Now I remember when I 17, 16, and 17 years old when I first heard the gospel. And I'm wrestling with these things. I remember being told on more than one occasion, and then I'm going to give you a source where it was backed up, what they were telling me. uh, When I expressed this confidence that I was going to heaven, it was considered a heresy, and I was told that is the sin of presumption. And so I looked it up. And I want to share with you uh, from my Baltimore Catechism, that's what I had growing up. That's what I have right now. I'm, I'm quoting from this source, the Baltimore Catechism, and what it says in this presumption. So, in, the, in fact, in the index at the end, look up all the words. The word presumption is in there, and it gives this this definition, and it refers to it earlier page, so I'm going to read that. Presumption is the belief that one can save himself without God's help or that God's help alone will save him without the efforts of the individual. Now, presumption was not a good thing. And I was told I, I was committing the sin of presumption. But I want you to listen to their definition. Presumption is the belief that one can save himself without God's help or that God's help alone will save him without the efforts of the individual F- that second category folks guilty guilty that's what i preach that's what i've been preaching for 33 34 years is that a person gets saved by god's help alone without any effort that they do and and if you you say that and you articulate that and you you claim that that's what i'm preaching i'm going to tell you guilty because that's what I'm preaching. I want you to listen to some verses. Besides this one here that I shared in 1 John 5. Titus chapter 3 and verse 4, 5. And when I read these verses, I want you to realize not just what they're saying, but what they're not saying. Titus 3 and verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Not by works of righteousness either a lot or a little not by works of righteousness that we have done none at all but according to his mercy he saved us Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves not at all in fact in this I mentioned to you this this was the index go back to the page it references and it answers this question when does a person sin by presumption a person sins by presumption when he trusts that he can be saved by his own efforts without God's help or that he thinks he can be saved with God's help without his own efforts. That's that's the gospel. That's the gospel I preach. That's the gospel that, that I see in the scriptures. Folks, we are saved totally by God's help without any effort of our own. Another verse, Ephesians 9 For by grace are you saved through faith... And that not of yourselves. I just I remember as a young man when I when I just cultivated on that. Not of ourselves, not of ourselves. It's not what I do. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. I will never be able to say anything before God. Lived. Hey, I did this. My works, my good deeds, getting a pat on the back is not even in the picture. And I hope I hope you're not looking for it to be in the picture yourself. Because there's going to be no pat's on our back; it's all going to be on the back of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Hebrews or Christ chapter or Christ Galatians chapter five and verse four. There's no no scripture book called Christ. Galatians five four. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, and when it what that statement, Christ shall become of no effect unto you, is basically saying what we do is we nullify Calvary when we claim we can do it ourselves. Hebrews 10 and verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ and nothing else. That's all that's in this text. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, there is no room for us doing anything for our salvation. We come empty-handed, as I say. And then, verse fourteen of that same chapter, Hebrews ten fourteen. For by one offering, not our offering, His offering, by one offering, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. There was a battle centuries ago that it still. These certain beacon calls have gone out. And it was back before there was English. Latin was the uh of frango, the, the, fran- the common language. So everyone spoke Latin. Uh, it was the Latin translation of scriptures that were, everybody had it. And it was used for a thousand years plus. And so they had, as, as men like John Wycliffe would study the Bible uh, and and people's eyes were opened they came up with this mantra that that just kind of came out and it's actually uh, none of the reformers use these phrases per se but this is how the reformation is often solidified sola scriptura solus Christus sola fide sola gratia and Soli de gloria what those mean are scripture alone Christ alone faith alone Grace alone to the glory of God alone. And why that was so important during that time when Latin was the language, was that men and women that were studying the Scriptures that had access to them were realizing exactly what I'm laying out before you. And many of them had not been taught that. But on their own study of the Scriptures, they were seeing that we, we bring nothing to the to the to the offering to the altar it is all what Jesus Christ did for us and so 1 John 5:13 these things have i written unto you that believe on the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life do you know that you have eternal life and can you confidently say not because you know how good you are in fact just the opposite You know how bad you are, but you know how sufficient Jesus Christ and His offering was. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, help us open our eyes to the glorious light of the Gospel of Christ that would shine into us, that we would realize that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done totally according to Your mercy that You saved us, and that mercy, Father, is... You withholding judgment that we do deserve no merit of our own, Lord. If, if we got what we deserved, we would be consumed all the day long. And Father, I pray that folks would just examine their own heart and their own standing and realize there's only two categories of people and it has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with their relationship to Jesus Christ. And Father, I know that some that hear this message have the son they have jesus christ he is their savior they have responded to what he did his finished work on the cross and so they have life eternal life they're going to heaven and then father no doubt there's some that are listening that do not have the son maybe they have religion maybe they have good feelings maybe they have their own version of god a a, They've created a God after their own imagination, but they do not have the Son. And according to your record, that means they don't have life. They're not going to go to heaven until they receive the Son. Father, these things are so simple, but I know that they are so complicated because of this matter of faith and the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit And I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Christ would shine in unto souls. Lord, open eyes that folks may see themselves as lost and in need of a sufficient, all-sufficient Savior. For those of us that have responded and have been saved by the all-sufficient Savior, thank you. Thank you for saving our souls. Bless us now, we pray.